Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Welcome all. This is episode 17 of Calm Words for Anxious Hearts, and today's episode is on the topic of human relationships. Our last two episodes, you may recall, have been all about spiritual growth, but what's the use of spiritual growth if that does not lead to some shift with respect to how we relate to one another? Love one another as I have loved you, Jesus said. And so if we fall deeper in love with God, and if we learn to practice more self-love, as I believe God desires us to do, we must at the same time seek to grow our capacity to love and to be with the people God has put in our life, our family, our friends, our co-workers, the people we see day in and day out. Because the truth is, most of us simply cannot grow in spiritual maturity all by ourselves. We need other people. We need a community. God created us to be in relationship with one another. And so for today's episode, listen to this with your key relationships in mind. Think of the people with whom you live, a spouse or maybe your children. Or if you live alone, just think of those with whom you have a close relationship or maybe someone you want a closer relationship with. Think about the people you love the most. Think about the people who irritate you the most. And of course, I'm willing to bet that for some of us, the two are one and the same. Because though God created us to be in community, being in community can also be hard. And do you know what makes community so hard? Other people. I've quoted Henry Noun in the last two episodes, and so I'll go for the hat trick and quote him again today. But this is what he once said on the topic of human relationships. Community, he said, is that place where the person you least want to live with always lives. Or to use traditional language, community is hard because we are sinners. And by the way, whenever I say that we are sinners, I'm not making a moralistic judgment, but a theological one. My point is we don't enter our relationships with a clean, emotional, and spiritual slate. And this is something we all know to be true. It is very, very obvious. And so I want to give you an image that speaks to this reality of human imperfection. Whenever I shop for new clothes, I always tend to go straight to the clearance table. The clearance table is where items that normally cost $80 cost $14, And quite frequently, you will find a tag on clearance items with two tiny words, as is. In other words, something is wrong with this item of clothing. There is a flaw. Maybe it's been on the rack for a year and no one wants it. Or maybe there's a broken button or a stain on the collar. Or for you Seinfeld fans, a little red dot that you pray no one else sees. But if you're looking for perfection, the clearance table is not where you need to shop because all the clothes on the table come as is. There is a history, a problem, an imperfection, a flaw. 
And so here is the reason human relationships can be so hard. It's because you and every person you know has an invisible tag tattooed on their body with two little words, as is. We all have our red dots, our history, our problems, our imperfections. It's not just you or your spouse or your neighbor. It's all of us. And so maybe it's our anger or our perpetual busyness or our insatiable need for approval or our defensiveness. But to be in relationship with other people, there is something we need to just accept as a given. We all come with a tag, as is. And yet here is the miracle of it all. God has ordained that we still come together in a relationship, red dots and all, and that we learn to offer one another forgiveness, grace, connection, an opportunity to confess those places in our lives where we are ashamed or stuck or not doing so well. Because as Christians, we do believe that it is in the context of community that Christ will be known and experienced. Where two or three are gathered in my name, the Lord once said, I will be in their midst. But the key, of course, is to form relationships with other people where authenticity is the norm. And I do get that in today's world, authenticity is somewhat of a buzzword. It means different things to different people. But for me, authenticity just means that we give up our quest to hide our sins. We give up our quest to pretend to be other than we are, which is our default setting, by the way, to hide, right? We don't want anyone to know or to see our imperfections, and so we do what we can to cover it all up. We hide. But in hiding the darkness from other people, we inadvertently come to hide the good stuff too. From others, yes, but in time, we become pretty good at hiding even from ourselves. And it's a strange phenomenon that we can actually lose touch with ourselves, even the good stuff. And so here's a question to consider. How might we take steps to be more honest and more kind about who we really are? The anger, the fears, the mistakes, the powerlessness we have over our addictions, because the essence of the human condition east of Eden is to hide. That is the first thing Adam and Eve did after they ate the fruit in Genesis chapter 3, they hid. And so do you know the way that you tend to hide? Do you know the way that your as-is tag impacts your ability to lead, your ability to parent, the way it impacts your marriage or your friendships? Because here's the irony, everyone else does. And so just a few questions I want you to bring into your prayer life. What would you like to see happen in your closest relationships? What isn't working? Or what needs to work differently? What does your as-is tag say and how does it contribute to the relational issues you'd like to see resolved? Can you accept that tag and not necessarily try to change it? And how might accepting your tag give you more patience and understanding when confronted with the as-is tag of other people? And most importantly, to whom do you need to show more kindness? And where do you need to be kinder to yourself? 
I know those are really hard questions, and it takes a lot of courage to lean into them, but they're really important questions because God made us to be in relationship, to be connected to other people. But again, community is hard because in a sense, whenever I think of our relational dilemma, we all want to get close. We just don't want to get hurt. In a sense, we're all a little bit like the porcupine. Um, If you don't know, the porcupine has close to 30,000 quills attached to its body, and each quill can be driven into an enemy. And because of that, the porcupine isn't generally regarded as a lovable animal because porcupines, as a general rule, have two methods for handling relationships, withdrawal and attack. Porcupines either run for a tree or they stick out their quills. And because of that, they tend to be solitary animals. Porcupines tend to spend a whole lot of time alone. But, you know, here's the thing. Porcupines, they don't always want to be alone. From time to time, a young porcupine's thoughts will turn to love and to relationship. But, you know, love is really risky business when you're a porcupine. Female porcupines are open to dinner and a movie only once a year, and the female porcupines know is respected by all in the animal kingdom. And so here we have the porcupine's dilemma. How do you get close but not get hurt? In other words, what does it mean to be a solitary animal and yet at the same time too long to connect? Now, I know that we're not porcupines, and it's a silly example, but in a sense, this really is our dilemma as well, because we also have thousands of quills that we use to keep other people at a safe distance, but our barbs have names like arrogance and selfishness and insecurity, resentment, fear, and contempt. And like the porcupine, we too have learned to survive through a combination of withdrawal and attack. It's the reason we often hurt and find ourselves hurt by the very people we long to be closest to. And yet we can't give up on this idea that the quality of our relationships can always be better than it is. Because we're not porcupines, we're human beings. We bear the image of a Trinitarian God. And because of that, we were made for communion, for intimacy with God and with other people. Our need to not be alone unlike the porcupine, is not just biological. Our need is spiritual. The yearning to attach and to connect, to love and to be loved, it is really the fiercest longing in the human soul. And so just think about how the Bible opens. In Genesis chapter 1, there's this little refrain that keeps occurring. God created the heavens and the earth, and God saw that it was good. God created the light, good. God created the ocean, good. God created the birds and the porcupines, good. But all that is just the precursor to the final act when God creates human beings in God's image. Because in Genesis chapter 2, we're told that God created the human in his own image, and God looks at this man who bears his likeness, and God says, not good. To quote Genesis directly, it is not good for the human to be alone. Now, what's so striking is that the fall has not yet occurred. There is no sin, no disobedience. There's nothing to mar or stain the relationship between God and man. 
the solitary human is in a state of perfect intimacy with God. Adam is known and loved to the core of his being by his competent and loving creator, and yet the word God uses to describe him is alone. And God says that this human's aloneness is not good. And here's what I think that means, practically speaking, for our life. Perhaps you've heard it said that inside every human being is a God-shaped void that no other person can fill. Well, for the record, that's true. But according to the author of Genesis, God created inside of us a human-shaped void that God himself will not fill meaning that we need each other and that it's never okay to get complacent or to be lazy about doing our part to build more compassionate, more understanding, more honest and kind relationships with each other. And so to wrap this episode up, I want to go back to the porcupines. You know, believe it or not, porcupines will get together from time to time. In fact, it's been observed that porcupines will often spend days together, and what they'll do, and I promise this is true, is that they will pull in their quills, stand on their hind feet, touch paws, and walk around together. It's called the Dance of the Porcupines by Porcupine Experts. I know it's hard to believe, but somewhere out there as I speak these words, there are two porcupines doing the foxtrot at this moment. I find it miraculous that porcupines, the most solitary animal you can imagine, have learned to dance with each other. If a porcupine can do it, so can you. And so think of someone with whom you want a closer or a more honest relationship. And the question I leave you with today what would it look like for you to pull in your quills and start dancing?